0: Welcome back to Brainy Place, a weekly podcast about epilepsy, by people with epilepsy, for people with epilepsy, and our cares. I'm your host, David Clifford. Um, David? Come on, don't make me tell this story. Why not? It's a great story. Yeah, but it's so embarrassing. Just today in the United States, over 900,000 additional people filed for unemployment. People are going to be looking for jobs. What is me telling this story going to give them? You can't have a career if you don't get hired, right? Come on. Maybe it's a worst case scenario so they can say, Hey, at least my interview wasn't as bad as his. Good point. Let's do this. In this episode, I describe my worst technical interview experience and try to answer the question, when should I tell my prospective employer about my epilepsy? If you're new to Brainy Blaze, I just want to state that I'm not a medical expert. I'm just someone that has struggled with the ins and outs of epilepsy for almost three decades. When I woke up in the dark, I was blindfolded and extremely scared. I was lying on my back in a confined space. I couldn't move. I immediately thought of those macabre short stories of the American Romantic era. Did I reach the same fate as one of those characters invented by Edgar Allan Poe? Was I buried alive? I started to panic. I called out to anyone who was listening, and then a soothing sound brought me back to reality. I immediately knew where I was and what had happened. I had had a seizure, and I was now lying in the confinement of an MRI tube as my brain was being scanned for damage. I'm sure you already have a lot of questions. With which company was I interviewing? I'll give you one hint. Do you have it? Before I go on, it's important to say that I'm not associated with Netflix. I'm a subscriber and a stockholder, but so is everybody else. I actually reached out to Netflix for their comment on this episode, and I didn't hear back from them. My interview at Netflix occurred on July 18th, 2016, but we have to go back a few years earlier to understand the whole story. Wait a minute, wait a minute, Doc. Uh... Are you telling me that you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? Not many people know this, but I actually wrote the first Netflix application running on Android. When I wrote it in 2010, Android applications were still rare. There was a Netflix application running on iOS, of course, but the streaming giant hadn't considered Android, because at the time, the world was just iPhone first, everything else second. The application was crude in today's terms. In fact, it could only browse. It didn't even play content. Netflix hadn't figured out how they were going to do their conditional access or encryption. However, the application was never designed for customers. It was made especially to be showcased in front of an audience of a thousand developers during the keynote speech at Google's biggest annual convention, Google I.O. Though the app was small, it was the first, and thus made a huge impact on the Android ecosystem. Other streaming services clamored to get their applications on Android. After a while, normal people like you and I started to realize that Android could one day compete with iOS. Because of the way Netflix treated me and everyone else involved in the Google I.O. project, I had always hoped that there could be a future position for me at Netflix. Unfortunately, as my career went on, Netflix and I couldn't sync up our schedules to make it happen. Six years later, in 2016, a job at Netflix was all I wanted. Netflix had just dipped their toes into creating their own content, and the content they created was pretty great. Their hit show, The Crown, had just come out. Golden Globe's rumors were already in full flight. I saw that Netflix had a real chance to be a powerhouse in global entertainment. It also didn't hurt that their main offices were a short 10 minute ride from my home, and I was just plain sick of the hours long Bay Area super commutes. I don't remember who reached out to whom for an interview, but it looked like the planets were finally going to align. That is, if I could make it through the interview process. Have you, in the middle of a job interview, ever had the feeling that you could possibly be the best person in the world at what you do and you were sure that you were going to get the job? Yeah, me neither. I've been blessed to work on some wonderful things during my career, but when it comes to interviewing, you just never know. What more? I had an invisible disability, epilepsy. At that time in my life, I was living under the grind, averaging a tonic-clonic seizure every week or so. Of course, I had every intention to share my disability with Netflix. I just wanted to make sure that I got far enough in the interview process before revealing all my cards. Like so many of you, stress has a tendency to trigger my seizures. With an interview this big, it was understandable that I'd be a little more nervous than usual. Even before entering the Netflix campus, my stomach was nauseous and my head hurt. At the time, I just wrote it off as butterflies before the big interview. I can't talk too much concerning the details of the Netflix interview structure. After all, I don't wanna get sued. However, as a person who has conducted hundreds if not thousands of technical interviews, I consider myself an expert in this particular field. I can give you an overview of how technical interviews usually work. In most technical interviews for software engineering roles, it isn't just about talking, but doing. Most companies require the person doing the interview to work on a project to show that they can actually walk the walk and not just talk the talk. After the individual project is completed, the interviewee is asked to work through problems with the engineers in front of a whiteboard. The hope is that by the time that the person doing the interview talks to the manager or anyone non-technical, the interviewee's technical prowess has already been properly vetted. The individual doing component of the interview is usually a small project that can be accomplished in a few hours. After a half an hour into the interview process at Netflix, I knew that something was up. The cozy natural light in the room felt far too bright. My computer screen felt like one of those lights that cops in B-movies shine on suspected criminals to get them to confess. Still, I thought I was gonna be okay. I mean, I had been pushing through this type of thing for years. That day wasn't gonna be any different. After completing the individual project portion, the recruiter told me that they were gonna bring in an engineer. He was on the team on which I would be added if I were hired. The engineer, though younger than me, was calm, collected, and obviously smart. He definitely knew his stuff, and I was impressed. You seem a decent fellow. I hate to kill you. You seem a decent fellow. I hate to die. In front of the whiteboard, he asked me to solve a difficult design question. Why are you smiling? Because I know something you don't know. And what is that? I am not left-handed. What he didn't know was that I had actually solved this particular problem in real life, several times over at the different startups over the years. There's something I ought to tell you. Tell me. I was in the middle of an animated discussion about my solution when... I'm not left-handed either. When they finally pulled me out of the MRI, I suddenly realized that I was only wearing a hospital smock—you know, the kind that seems to cover every part of your body except for the parts you really want them to cover. The nervous radiology tech updated me as soon as I stood up to shift to a waiting gurney. Minister Clifford, you had a seizure earlier today. And do you know where you are? I'm in radiology department. I don't know which hospital. You have a nice sounding MRI in there. What's with the blindfold? Oh, it's just a cool towel that we put over your eyes while you're in the machine. It seems to calm most patients. Uh, okay. Listen, do you know where my clothes are? Tech nonchalantly passed a plastic drawstring bag to me. I eagerly grabbed the bag. I had some damage control to do. Hopefully, there was still a chance I could contact Netflix. Maybe if I could explain to him what had happened? No. I knew there was no chance that it would give me an opportunity to continue the interview. I had to try, though. Right? While the tech stared, I quickly searched the bag for my phone. The last time I remember seeing it, it was in the front pocket of my Levi jeans. They required interview gear of a tech employee. Where are my pants? I couldn't find- I heard they cut them off you. That's weird. Weird? Yeah. All the other times I've had seizures, I just show up in the emergency room wearing what I had on. Times? How many seizures have you had? Don't get me started. I was familiar with rescue meds. In some cases, when a seizure doesn't end by itself quickly enough, emergency crews will provide medication to stop it. They are usually provided as a shot to the arm. And that's when it came to me. Fair enough. I guess they had to apply rescue medication. Oh god, they didn't. Did they? They couldn't have. My face was flushed with embarrassment. I immediately noticed that something I had not noticed before. My butt was still wet. Okay, this is probably gonna be too much information for some of you, but this is supposed to be an interview horror story, right? When emergency crews don't use a shot to provide rescue meds, they insert gel. Rectally. Yes. Why I felt all over my butt was the remnants of the gel, probably diazepam. In my mind, all I could see was the poor face of that engineer interviewing me as they cut off my pants. Hey listen, I have a long list of people that need to be scanned. Sure, sure. In the emergency room, my thumbs were working to compile a follow-up email back to the hiring manager at Netflix. I was going to talk to you about this during our one-on-one time this afternoon, but I think you already know by now. I'm an epileptic. I guess I had a seizure this afternoon during my interview. I'm sorry for any confusion it must have caused. My family and I were used to seizures, but I'm sure I scared the hell out of a lot of people during that day. I called my wife and told her what had happened. We commiserated over an opportunity lost. I was surprised to hear back from the hiring manager at Netflix within minutes. He said that it was okay, that although people were scared, They understood my condition. And they were willing to reschedule a new interview. Of course they said that. Epilepsy is covered by the Americans with Disabilities Act. They couldn't possibly deny you an interview based off your disability. Look, we already covered the ADA and the protection it affords in our previous episode. I am here to say that their email was far more gracious than what was required. Again, I'm not here to divulge the exact text they used in their response. I think providing private email is just opening the door to a lawsuit. However... Netflix was completely understanding of the situation. They got it. They truly looked past my disability to the person. We quickly rescheduled my interview for a different day. So the big question I'm sure you're asking is that after all that, did they actually hire you? Unfortunately, no. Those bastards, the ADA. Okay, calm down. Here's where the learning moment came for me. I perceive that they didn't hire me because in the second round of interviews, I couldn't present David the engineer and just presented David the person with epilepsy. The mistake I made was that I tried to overcompensate for what had happened during the first round by bringing up my epilepsy with every person who interviewed me. These people weren't there to hear about my fight with epilepsy. They were there to see if I could actually code. The question comes up often in our Twitter community. Should I tell a potential employer that I have epilepsy? You definitely should. However, you can't expect any potential employer to hire you unless they can see that you have the skill set for the job. It's definitely hard for them if you introduce yourself as, hi, I'm David Clifford, I have epilepsy. Instead, let them get to know you and how you would fill the role better than anyone else. If they see you in the role, they will support you in your fight against epilepsy. Of course, if you prove to a potential employer that you can fill the role better than anyone else and they still don't hire you after you tell them that you have epilepsy, you have to ask yourself, did you really wanna work for that company? Battling epilepsy is hard enough. If your employer doesn't understand your fight or doesn't support you, it's just gonna be that much harder. My interview at Netflix was a wake-up call for me and my family. It made me realize I couldn't compartmentalize my epilepsy from my employment like I did when I was younger. Like a bad painting, all of the colors of my life seemed to be bleeding together. The interview was my absolute low. Shortly after, I started working with my current doctors to determine what could be done. And I have been seizure-free since neurosurgery in 2017. Get out there, and get interviewing. Stop worrying. Stop asking yourself, what is the worst thing that could happen? I bet it's not gonna be as bad as the story I just presented. You are gonna be okay. Thanks so much for listening today. Without you, we couldn't do this podcast, and we couldn't raise epilepsy awareness. We would love to hear any of your comments or questions regarding this or any of our other episodes. You can reach out to us via email at socialbrainblaze.com or on Twitter at Brainblaze. If you like this episode, consider subscribing or even helping us by providing a five star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download your content. One small click really does help. See you next time.